what are the posterior tibial artery branches at the level of the foot. The posterior tibial artery at the level of the foot gives us the medial and plantar artery. Again, posterior tibial artery at the level of the foot gives us the medial and lateral plantar artery. Now, the anterior tibial artery gives us the lateral tarsal and the dorsal pedal artery. There is an arcuate communication between the medial plantar arteries and the dorsal pedis and lateral tarsal artery. Again, the anterior tibial artery gives us the lateral tarsal artery and dorsalis pedis, and the posterior tibial artery gives us the medial and plantar arteries. Common radiographic signs associated with papillary necrosis or urologic signs associated with papillary necrosis ball on T, lobster claw, and signet cell sign. Again, these are typically seen on fluoroscopic or CT imaging of the kidney, ball on T, lobster claw sign, and signet ring sign. These are uh, related to papillary necrosis. The lobster sign should not be confused with the bare paw sign, which is associated with the xanthogranulomatous polynephritis. Again, Papillary necrosis manifesting as the bolon T sign, lobster claw sign, and signet ring sign. Hepatic venoocclusive disease, VOD, or sinusoidal obstruction syndrome, SOS. Again, hepatic venoocclusive disease or sinusoidal obstruction syndrome, these are the same thing. What is the pathophysiology? This is a result of sloughing of the endothelial cells that then embolize into the hepatic venules. This embolization causes obstruction of the venules and eventually lead to fibrosis. The fibrosis results on post-sinusoidal portal obstruction. This is somewhat similar to Bud-Chiari syndrome, where Bud-Chiari is obstruction or thrombosis of the hepatic vein. This is at the level of the venules. What are etiologies for hepatic venoocclusive disease or sinusoidal obstruction syndrome? We have bone marrow transplant, chemotherapy, and most importantly, Jamaican bush tea. I don't know if it's the most important one, but Jamaican bush tea can result in hepatic venoocclusive disease. Presentation, right upper quadrant pain, painful hepatomegaly, ascites, and abnormal LFTs. The pathophysiology, again, is slothing of the endothelial cells, which embolize into the hepatic venules and cause eventual fibrosis and obstruction, leading to portal hypertension. Meniscal tear patterns. All right, let's start with longitudinal tear. This is a tear along the long axis of the meniscus, which would divide the meniscus into inner and outer part. So if you imagine the meniscus as a long C-shape. This is longitudinal tear, is a tear along the long axis of the meniscus. Now, when the medial portion of the tear or of the meniscus is displaced anteriorly, this is a bucket handle tear. So, a longitudinal tear with displacement of the anterior or medial portion of the meniscus anteriorly, this would be a bucket handle tear. Flipped meniscus is a form of bucket handle tear where there is capsular detachment and the posterior horn flips onto the anterior horn of the meniscus. These are all the types of longitudinal tears. Second type is the radial tear. Radial tear is a tearing perpendicular to the long axis of the meniscus and 
it is against the uh, collagen bundle pathway. So it's perpendicular to the long axis of the uh, meniscus or collagen fibers pathway. Now, this typically requires a high energy of trauma or the mechanism requires a high energy of trauma. And it is a difficult to diagnose on MRI. Typically, the only sign that we see is disruption of the bow tie. Again, radial tear is perpendicular to the long axis of the meniscus, requires a high energy uh, trauma. And typically, it's difficult to recognize and seen as a disruption of the bow tie on MRI. A large radial tear is sometimes referred to as parrot beak tear. So a large radial tear is referred to as parrot beak tear. Finally, the last type of meniscal tearing I wanted to talk about is the horizontal tear. This is a tear that divides the meniscus into a top and bottom part. In the radiology assistant website, they refer to it as the pita bread, as if you're splitting a pita bread into two halves. And typically, this can be associated with meniscal cysts. Again, we said three types of tearing or meniscal tear patterns, longitudinal tear, radial tear, and horizontal tear. Longitudinal tear, we said tearing along the long axis of the meniscus and is parallel to the collagen fibers of the meniscus. Radial tear, it's a tear along the short axis of the meniscus and it is perpendicular to the collagen fibers or the long axis of the meniscus. And horizontal tear, tear that splits the meniscus into upper and bottom parts like a pita bread. What is epocrine metaplasia? This is a term that refers to fibrocystic changes. Again, epocrine metaplasia is fibrocystic changes, just another word for it. Which atrial septal abnormality associated with partial anomalous pulmonary venous drainage? So again, which atrial septal abnormality associated with partial anomalous pulmonary venous drainage? Sinus venosis atrial septal defect typically associated with drainage of the right upper lobe into the superior vena cava. Again, most common type of atrial septal defect associated with partial anomalous pulmonary venous drainage is sinus venosis, and typically the right upper lobe would drain into the superior vena cava. Now, the additional types of atrial septal defect, there is primary and secondary type. We'll talk about them later. Key thing to remember, Atrial septal defect associated with partial anomalous pulmonary venous drainage is sinus venosis. Intestinal necrosis with patent arterial system. This is NOMI or non-occlusive mesenteric ischemia, typically caused by spasms with narrowing of multiple branches of the mesenteric tree. It's a highly lethal uh, disease with... Uh, lethality up to 7,200%. The treatment for it is di direct intra-arterial infusion of vasodilator, particularly papaverin, 60 milligram bolus, followed by 30 to 60 milligram per hour. Again, NOMI, non-occlusive mesenteric ischemia, meaning pated arterial system with spasms causing the ischemia, highly lethal disease, and the treatment is peperverin, 60 milligram bolus plus 30 to 60 milligram per hour. What is ACT in 
interventional radiology, it's activated clotting time. A normal activated clotting time is 80 to 120 seconds. The role of ACT is when we're doing procedures and we give patients heparin if we want to see how thin their blood is or before removing a sheath following an arterial procedure. The goal for removing the sheath is ACT less than 180. Anything above that, we do not remove it as there is a high risk of uh, difficult to control bleeding. Again, ACT activated clotting time. It's used for cases that we give heparin and the normal ACT range is 80 to 120 seconds. And for procedural and intervention of when to pull the sheath, we want a goal of ACT less than 180 seconds. Ideal flow rate in a graft versus fistula. An ideal flow rate in a graft, we want it to be close to or greater than 600 cc's a minute. For fistula, we want it to be greater than 500 cc's a minute. Continuing with heparin stuff, what is the concentration of heparin that we infuse in a dialysis line after placement? So we infuse a thousand unit per cc. And in a pick line or just a general infusion, we put a 100 cc per unit. So after placement of a central line, the lines are typically locked, what we call heparin lock. For using a dialysis line, the concentration of heparin we use to lock the line with is 1,000 units per cc. I think some institutions even use a 10,000 unit per cc. At University of Virginia, we use 1,000 unit per cc. And for just a regular line that is not a dialysis line, we use 100 unit of heparin per cc. What is persistent sciatic artery? This is a continuation of the internal iliac artery into the lower extremity. There are different types of persistent sciatic artery, but this can be a continuation from the internal iliac all the way into the popliteal artery. Renal complication associated with duplicated IVC. We have horseshoe kidney and cross-fused ectopic kidney. Again, duplicated IVC is associated with horseshoe kidney and cross-fused ectopic kidney. Duplicated IVC is also associated with azagous continuation of the IVC, meaning that the there is no IVC in the chest. Rather, the flow from the both duplicated IVC empties into a zag, an azagous vein. What are the branches of the posterior division of the internal iliac? We have three main branches. We have the lateral sacral artery, iliolumbar artery, and the continuation of the internal iliac it terminates as superior gluteal artery. Again, lateral sacral, iliolumbar, and superior gluteal artery. Another way of asking a question I previously asked, vascular anomalies associated with polysplenia. Polysplenia is associated with duplication of the IVC, and it is associated with azagous continuation of the IVC. This is the same process. Now, we said duplication of the IVC is associated with horseshoe kidney, and cross-fused uh, renal ectopia. Most common type of postcholcystectomy by leak or most common etiology for postcholcystectomy by leak, this is leak at the cystic duct or leak due to cystic duct injury. Additional name for it is type A leak or a leak at the due to cystic duct injury. Again, most common cause for biliary leak following cholecystectomy is type A, which is a leak at the cystic duct or leak due to cystic duct injury. 
What is pulmonary sequestration? This is aberrant lung tissue with systemic blood supply. Now, what we mean by systemic blood supply, meaning that there is a branch off of the aorta feeding that pulmonary sequestration, not through the pulmonary artery, most commonly seen in the left lower lobe. Again, aberrant lung tissue with systemic blood supply, typically arising from the aorta, most commonly seen in the left lower lobe. And it's important to also distinguish this from CPAM because sequestration is usually a solid lung tissue, not a cystic like CPAM. Common pathway for the gastrorenal shunt in obviously portal hypertension. We get gastric varices that drain into the inferior phrenic vein. The inferior phrenic vein then drains into the left renal vein. Again, gastric varices drain into the inferior phrenic vein and the inferior phrenic vein drains into the left renal vein view from a podcast we talked about a couple of days ago what is effort induced thrombosis of the axillary or the subclavian vein this is paget schroeder syndrome again effort induced thrombosis of the axillary or subclavian vein paget schroeder's syndrome